the most important professional asset we have is ourselves. Right? Like, because without ourselves, the education level doesn't matter, the income level doesn't matter. Like, if our body and our mind aren't well, everything else suffers. And so, really, just from a pragmatic point of view, our care is part of the care of the business. Welcome to Messy and Magnificent, the place driven women come to elevate their career, health, and relationships. In here, we increase your productivity by replacing always being busy with the space to breathe. Hear your own wisdom and be part of a sisterhood that has your back. My name is Carly Fain, and together we're going to make sure that you have a doable plan and the roots to rise. Why, hello there. It is your gal, Carly. Welcome back to Messy and Magnificent. Or hey, thanks for stopping by if this is your first time here. I'm going to start with a small funny confession, which is that ever since I lived in Miami and now that I'm here closer to Philadelphia, I have this funny habit of eavesdropping when those double-decker red tour buses go by. (laughs) I've learned so much about the own town or city that I live in from the little bits of history and heritage explained when I'm, you know, standing at intersections of the crosswalk waiting to walk across the street and the bus might be nearby or if it's going by while I'm sitting outside at a coffee shop, I lean in and I listen. Well, today I'm going to be donning my tour guide hat as I share the sound bites from this path month of sustainability that we've been focusing on together so that you get the best moments from what's making it possible for women with full lives to sustain the careers and the health and the relationships they really care about. Now, this is all part of this culmination practice that my practice has been doing for a number of years, where for the last week of every month, I don't do a lot of public work. We don't hatch a lot of new ideas. Rather, we go inward. We slow down. We nourish ourselves both personally and professionally. And we look at, okay, what's working that we might continue to do What's not working that we need to either modify or stop doing all together? And that has been huge in terms of making my business sustainable for the last 15 years. So every episode from this last month, it's really its own standalone package of resources and real stories from women about what makes their career and their health and their relationship sustainable. But this month especially, you're going to see that there was a thread that ran through each episode, each one building on the next, adding layers of depth as we go. It really wove into this beautiful tapestry. So let me outline this roadmap as we dive in some of your favorite clips from this past month. First, we're going to lean back and I'm going to explain the missing 33%. These are the three areas of professional development where women don't always have access to the information they need. Then, of course, we're going to talk about how women are finding creative ways to get the access to the fullness of the resources that we need in order to thrive. And big hint right here, they are not trying to figure it all out on their own. We are definitely going to talk today about how women are creating allyships that up-level them so they don't have to do all the work. And the good news here, these are the kind of allyships that actually work for women who have a full plate Or maybe you're like me and you're a little introverted by nature and you don't want to have to have the world's biggest network in order to do well. 
So we're looking at both the macro and the micro today. When I say macro, we're going to acknowledge the challenges that women are facing both domestically in the U.S., but also globally as we're being disproportionately affected from the fallout of COVID. And what shifts need to happen there, especially for women who identify as black and brown, to make sure that we don't go back in time during this particularly tender moment. Because we are not accepting here at Messy Magnificent that going backwards after significant professional growth for women is going to be a foregone or inevitable conclusion just because COVID is showing us where there's been disproportionate access. Now, if you're wondering how you're supposed to keep going right now, how you're supposed to manage everything on your plate without messing up what is good, this is the episode for you. My intention is that you're going to walk forward with a refilled professional cup and a reminder of how truly powerful you are. So sure, you may hear some new concepts that support you. You're a high achiever. I know your default is leaning into a pattern of growth and for looking for what you can improve. And that is great. I'm right there with you. But in the spirit of sustainability, I want you to keep an ear out for any of these proven methods that you're about to hear me discuss or ideas that you might already be doing, okay? It's not always about doing more. Sometimes, as we culminate, it really is about trimming back and just focusing on what is already working, and you are certainly doing some things really well. And that's why the last clips you're going to hear on the bottom of this episode come to a conversation with a real and inspiring woman, Sandrine Crisini, who shared with us her own journey to make her career a lot more sustainable and a couple very small pragmatic shifts she made that have made the world of difference. We learned so well from one another. This episode is brought to you by the Boundary Academy. 15 years of coaching thousands of women has taught me that it doesn't matter how good our plans, our intentions are, our network, or even our access to external resources. If we don't have the boundaries we need to honor what we care about, we will always struggle with a lack of time or energy or money or downright satisfaction. You see, Women who have thriving, healthy careers and relationships know that boundaries aren't just something nice you get to later. They're something you practice gently now so that you have the later that you want. So you can get free access to the recording of the Boundaries Brunch we did right before the Boundary Academy opened. There's a link to it in the show notes wherever you're listening or head on over to carlyfane.com. And in this 45-minute class, you're going to learn the three mindsets that women with healthy boundaries already know and live into, plus lots of rich, candid conversation with thought leaders in the field of boundaries and women who are just getting started. There's nothing for sale in there, just rich content you're not going to get anywhere else because that hunch you're meant to be doing something meaningful and enjoyable with your life and career, it's right. I hope you'll join me and women from around the world that are making having boundaries oh so doable. So first, as we talk macro on episode 78, What Ceiling? The three undertaught skills that get women past professional and financial barriers, we covered what Susan 
Colin Tuono calls the missing 30% that limits career access for women. Tell me if any of these are relatable. When it comes to women doing well professionally, what is the one thing that if we focused on it would make everything else either easier or unnecessary altogether? Well, the answer there is giving women the resources they need in order to rise professionally. Because otherwise, what happens is if we're not included in important conversations that educate us or give us information or accesses to the resources that we need, then we're stuck constantly working harder than we need to. We exhaust ourselves trying to guess, trying to cross our fingers and hope for the best or figure everything out on our own. This is where Susan Colana Tuono, she's the author of No Ceiling, No Walls, What Women Haven't Been Told About Leadership from Career Start to the Corporate Boardroom, brings forward a really interesting point around. She says, and I quote, when organizations direct women towards resources that focus on the conventional advice we've been hearing for over 40 years, there's a notable absence of advice that relates to business, strategic, and financial acumen. Much of the advice is emphasizing personal actions that we need to take, like becoming more assertive or becoming more confident or developing your personal brand, end quote. But what Susan goes on to mention here is that virtually nothing is said about the importance of business, strategic, and financial acumen. So what Susan is saying here is all of the traditional advice that most of us have heard, things like you've got to learn how to be more confident, you've got to learn how to be more assertive, you've got to learn how to you know, develop your personal brand or dress for the job you want, all of that. It's got its place. It does serve something, but it doesn't take us from the middle <laughs> to the top, meaning that we actually need to have a lot more focus on our career our strategy, and our financial acumen if we want to get from the middle to the next place or if we want to be able to sustain the things that we've already begun or that are doing well. She goes on to say that this is why conventional advice for women in 40 years has not closed the gender gap at the top and it's not going to be what closes it. So in other words, in terms of growth, What Susan Colantuono is highlighting here is that there are a shared set of characteristics that the women who do well know. They know what the focus of their career or business is. They know where either you or your organization wants to go, and they know the strategy outlined to get there. And then, of course, they have awareness of the financial goals that they or the organization have and what your role is going to be moving yourself or the company you work for forward. So she calls this that missing 33% of career access for women. So I'm curious, has any of what we've outlined here from Susan's missing 33% relatable to your experience? Has access to professional resources or support in either business or strategy or finances been something that you've brushed up against too? I want to keep this conversation going. So Make sure that if you haven't already left a review on iTunes about what lands from these episodes, you do that. Feel free to ask me any questions and tell me what's standing out because A, I want to give you a shout out on the next episode and B, I want to make sure we keep delivering what is of the most service for you right now. So now that we've talked about some of the challenging areas where women haven't always been included in the conversation, let's talk about how we're going to fix that. 
Here are what women are doing to address these three essential fields for our professional development. These are the three questions we can ask ourselves when we are ready to upgrade our access to resources. I'll go back to an example I've shared before, but you know, my mother, so just one generation ago, wasn't possible for her to have a credit card in her name. It wasn't an option in the United States for her to have a credit card in her name when she was 18 years old. So talk about that being just a blink of an eye ago, or if you're listening in and that's been your personal experience too, that financial opportunities have not been the same for women. And that's just in the United States. All over the world, financial conversations or opportunities are entirely varied based on the gender and the rules, rights, and regulations in different countries. And so if you're noticing that, ooh, I wonder if I'm missing some of that 33% here, here are some questions we can ask ourselves. Number one, am I clear on the focus of my career or business right now? Number two, do I know what my strategy or my business's strategy for advancement is? And then number three, what are my financial goals here? If you know the answers to all three of these, great. You've passed the litmus test. You're doing really well. And if not, this is where we get to start to create a soft focus. Say soft focus here because first and foremost, we need to acknowledge that this probably isn't your fault. And if you have been feeling frustrated about feeling stuck where you are, whether that's in your career, your health, or your relationships, and you are the kind of woman who listens to the Messy Magnificent podcast, We know that you have a propensity or an inclination towards growth and towards doing well. And so there's a good chance that you just haven't been included in these conversations or had opportunity or access to the kind of information around your career or your strategy or your financial acumen that would support you. And so first things first, you got to let yourself off the hook. (laughs) If anything, I hope you would breathe a sigh of relief in recognizing what many women recognize when we talk about discovering this 33% and realizing, oh, it's not that I'm incapable. It's not that I'm not smart enough. It's not that I don't work hard enough. It's that I haven't known to lean in to these three areas yet. And so when we have a soft focus here, when you're aware that you could use more clarity or more direction around your career or your strategy or your finances, these are such significant places These are such big and important areas that it's easy to feel that overwhelm. I hope you found a path of inquiry in one of those questions that speaks to you. But hold on for a minute here. Telling a busy woman, a woman with a full life, perhaps like yourself, that she has another thing to address on her own. Well, if you ask me, those are fighting words. You've got plenty to do. So the next clip you're about to hear is where we covered how you can magnify your access to resources without having to do it all yourself. And my favorite part is that it's not about networking with a ton of people. Rather, small circles are proving very effective for women on the rise. So if the foundational awareness for sustaining growth is that we need to tap into that 33%, which is clarity around our careers, our strategy, and our financial awareness. We also want to make sure that you're not expecting all of this to fall on your own shoulders. Odds are you already have plenty on your plate. So let's talk about one specific factor to make sure that once you know about this 33%, that you have the support and access to the resources you need to do well. Ready? 
We call it knowledge sharing. This phrase comes to us from Sheila Haverson. She's over at the Harvest Revenue Group. She's had over 20 years of experience in the post-audit industry. So she does a lot of third-party auditing for big retailers that you know, retailers like Walmart or Target and Rite Aid. So big stores with complex financial systems. And what she is aware of is that, quote, collaboration increases knowledge sharing. Having a teamwork environment will encourage others to share their success and their ideas. There is room for everyone to be successful at a company, end quote. And that came to us from an article recently in Forbes. I'll put a link to that entire article in case you're interested in that, wherever you're listening here in the show notes. But what Susan is alluding to here is this idea that we need to have free flow exchange of ideas and honest, open conversation. This is entirely in alignment with a network scientist, Ron Burt, when he published the number one predictor of career success, which was being part of an open network, meaning being in pods or pockets or small circles of people that are also open to other groups of people. So it's not just about you being the center and having to network with a ton of people. And if you are like me and you are lean towards the introverted side of the spectrum, you might be thrilled to hear that news, that it's not about being the most connected or the most extroverted person in a room or in a networking community. Rather, it's about being closely connected to a small group of people who are also connected to other people. So we started the conversation about having professional support in these clips you've just heard from episode 78, but I was clear that we needed to go a little deeper into that this month, and here's why. I cannot tell you how often women come to me saying that they have a follow-through problem or a time management issue, or they don't understand why they just can't get out of their own way and figure things out or they can't just be brave enough and speak up or focus enough or clear enough. And you know what I've come to find is that these usually are the symptoms. The root cause is almost always an isolation issue. This is what we call popular isolation in my practice. And maybe you've heard me mention this before, but if not, the simple summary of popular isolation is this phenomenon That driven women experience where you've got good friends or family or coworkers. So you are connected to other people and yet you feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders and that you have to figure out a lot by yourself. And so it's perplexing because you're not technically alone and yet there is this sense of being isolated. So in episode 80, having to do it all yourself, how women get aboard the allyship and let a few key people and strategies bolster their professional success, we went over the following four signs that you're ready to build core professional allies. In fact, Notre Dame and Northwestern University did a joint study, and I'll put a link to that in any other study I mentioned in today's episode, where they discovered that a tight group of female friends is the number one indicator of a woman's professional success. Isn't that wild? It wasn't necessarily about how many resources she had, how many hours she worked, or any of the other things we often attribute success to. It was about how well she was connected to other people. And I just got to pause right here for all my introverted sisters out there. I at my core am an introvert too. Here's the really great news we're finding about networking. It is not about being out in the world the most. 
It is not about having the largest network. It is about having an intentional and open community of other people that you are connected to on a regular basis in a way that feels good for you. And we're going to talk about that. But here's four signs that perhaps you're ready to be in this conversation about having professional allies with me. Number one, if you're circling without landing, meaning you're going round and round with the same ideas in your head, but you're having a hard time either starting or following through on them. Number two, you're second guessing. You chronically second guess yourself and that self-doubt can be crippling. Number three sign that perhaps you're ready to have some new professional allies is you've got what I call molasses syndrome. Molasses syndrome means it feels like things are moving through molasses, meaning it takes far more effort than it should to get things done. And finally, good old being foggy. Being foggy is one definite indicator that it's time to have professional allies because you're having a hard time getting clear and taking action on what the next best steps for you should be. Okay, so let's say that some of these signs or symptoms ring true for you. Well, you wouldn't be alone in that. (laughs) This next part is really good news for how to connect with allies that support you without having to do tons of networking. Because as it turns out, big networks aren't always a gal's most effective move. Listen to what Kayla Stoner from Northwestern had to say when she did a study looking at the gender composition and communication patterns of what predicts women's leadership success. She found out that more than 75% of high-ranking women maintained a female-dominated inner circle or strong ties to two or three women with whom they communicated frequently. In contrast, men with a larger network, regardless of gender makeup, are more likely to earn a high-ranking position. So I think this is really interesting. With women, it wasn't about having more or the most or the largest network. It was about being deeply connected to an intimate few women. Doesn't news like that just feel so good (laughs) to know that doing the most isn't always the best thing, that it's okay when others are going big and wide to just go deep and focused? I know that that kind of thing speaks to me. Now here, this part of the episode I love because this is where we get small to work big for us. This is how we build tiny and mighty open networks. What we're seeing work really well is these simple open dynamics where we are connecting to a few people in a very simple way that are part of different types of communities. That's the open part. So simple means just looking for a couple events or a few people to hop on the phone with one at a time. And the open part is making sure that those people are not all necessarily just within your industry. Because here's what's been proven by David Rock. He's the founder of the NeuroLeadership Institute as he studies the way that organizations and leaders create networks. Is that if you throw a bunch of strangers into a room at an event, Odds are that over a little bit of time, similar people are going to be attracted to one another. We call that homophily, right? Where it's like, like finds like. You kind of find your people. And the next thing you know, those pairs start to introduce each other to alternate friends. And we form our own little cliques, these own little microcosms, these own little cultures of people. And then these cultures can accidentally become polarized echo chambers 
where there's so much homogeny, where there's so much of the same idea being shared that it's just going round and round. And we're not getting looks at new ways of creating problem solving. We're not seeing new opportunities or fresh perspectives. Rather, we can get rather isolationist with the way we see things. And we certainly see this happen in the political world. Absolutely happens in our professional and personal lives too. And so what we're seeing be a lot more effective is to make sure that we are being open to people from different industries, different ages, different gender identities, different orientations, different walks of life, different world experience or professional expertise. Now, everything that we have covered so far on this episode is accurate and true and real and relevant. But you know what else is relevant? The fact that we are navigating a global pandemic. And there was no way we could talk about what does and doesn't work for women without being timely in that respect and acknowledging what we covered in episode 79, not going backwards, how we elevate the careers of women during COVID. Because if women aren't able to keep their jobs at all or are struggling to sustain them because of this virus, then we need to do some immediate things to support women both right now and in the long haul. And for those who need it right now, this immediate moment of survival is what plenty of women are facing. So here are some of the resources that you can use and certainly you can share with other women who need a leg up right now. So let's talk a little bit about what we can do to improve your career and the careers of other women too right now. Because if you feel like fixing this sounds like it's just too big by yourself, you're right. (laughs) It's too big to do all by yourself. There are three main ways to look at what we're able to do to improve the ability for women to sustain the advances they've made professionally and continue to do so. Whether that's for you individually in the career you're in right now or the job or career you'd like to have next or for us as a community of women together. Reshma Shujani, the founder of the CEO of Girls Who Code, said recently that passing legislation that helps working mothers support themselves and their families, like paid parental leave and universal child care, is key. And hopefully there'll continue to be some federal action. I know here in the United States, we're beginning to have some good conversations about that. We'll see what comes through. We also need global action around supporting families as well. But there's a great deal that the private sector can also do. So if you run a company or you work for a company or you know somebody that does, here are some great things that we can look at that come to us from Bonnie Hammer, the vice chairman of NBC Universal. Number one, building out flexible work arrangements beyond the pandemic. This means loosening our grip a little bit on having our in-person requirements with that typical nine to five workday. And a typical five-day work week, maybe it would be more effective for your office to have a four-day work week or to have more flexible hours moving forward. And when flexibility isn't an option, it just means that it's time to invest in the infrastructure required so that working women can thrive when they return to the workplace, like, for example, dedicated lactation rooms or affordable on-site childcare. And I mean this for everybody, not just for white-collar industries. But I also want to talk about something that impacts all women, regardless of whether or not they choose to have a family, which is valuing the unpaid labor women are doing around the clock. Right? We have normalized that childcare or housework in two 
people household should be responsibilities that are dedicated to the women. And so when remote work is an option for women, we have to ensure that it's not always women staying at home and men going to the office because getting FaceTime is critical to getting noticed and promoted. And the parent who stays home, even if she's working, ends up also doing a lot of the work at home, the cleaning, the cooking, the scheduling, the bills, and also missing out on their commute. This might be the one moment that they normally got in the day to collect their thoughts and to catch their breath. So these are things that we can look at in a systemic way, but we can also look at it in an individual way. If you do have employment right now, is there something that needs to shift so that you're able to show up for your job? in such a way that it's sustainable, meaning does somebody else need to cook a meal for you? Do you need to order something in? Do you need to have a conversation about what responsibilities are going to look like if you live in a household where there's multiple people? So that not everything defaults to the woman who is the high achiever in the room. I know if you're listening to this podcast that you are the high achiever in the room. Just because you're capable of doing more doesn't mean that it's a good idea that you do more. Number two, let's talk a little bit about folks who might be suffering from coronavirus job losses. There are a couple organizations that are great for you to know about, whether it's for you or those you care about. The first is the National Domestic Workers Alliance. Women make up 88% of adult care workers in home-based settings and 85% of adult care workers in institutional settings. So to support these workers who have been laid off during COVID or who are staying at home from work for safety reasons, the National Domestic Workers Alliance has created this coronavirus care fund that will provide home care workers and nannies and housekeepers with $400 of emergency assistance. So we'll make sure that we put a link in here for where you can go to get more details and apply in case this speaks for you. This is a great quick fix resource for those who have a need for it right now. They also lead some great training sessions. So in addition to the quick scoops of cash, which are helpful in an instant, we also need to address things on a larger scale. And so they have some great live events. They have weekly coronavirus video calls for domestic workers. They also have a We Dream in Black webinar series where they seek to build a world wherein Black domestic workers are safe and respected and empowered to be their full selves. These are great free resources that anybody can attend. I highly recommend if you know anybody who works in a domestic space or in a caregiving space that you share this information with them. We've talked about some systemic things we can do. We've talked about some specific things we can do right now for those of us who need immediate support. Let's also talk about you specifically. I want you to remember in this moment how powerful you are. You know, about eight years ago, I was in a Target. I had just moved from one house to another. This was back in my celebrity touring days. So it was always really difficult for me to do anything like a move because I was on call 24-7 for my clients. So I had started to move my things over. I knew I was going to have less than a day before I was expected to be on tour with another client. I'm exhausted. I'm dirty. I'm up to my neck in boxes. And I needed the sheets for my bed. I ran to Target to buy them and waited in an incredibly long line in downtown Miami. When I finally got to the front of the register, the woman working behind the register let me know that it was the end of her shift, and I would need to get back in line in another line, which meant another 30 minutes of working. And I'm doing all this while navigating the emotional landscape of having just lost my grandmother 
I am at my wit's end. I could not stand another moment in line. I was too hungry. I was too tired. I had too much on my plate. And so I put my items down and prepared to walk out of the store knowing I'm just going to sleep without sheets tonight. And a woman behind me called to me and she said, ma'am, ma'am, hold on. You can go ahead and be in front of me in line. And she was in the parallel line to mine and had seen everything that happened and decided to let me go ahead of her in the front of the line. And in that moment, I couldn't respond to her verbally. I mean, tears welled up in my eyes. I was in such a space of vulnerability. And here was this human recognizing just this small struggle. This wasn't a massive struggle. This wasn't a career-ending struggle, but it was deep and tender and personal for me in that moment. And she let me go ahead of her in that line. And in that moment where I needed community, I was seen. And so while I was standing there in line, I saw her hemming and hawing with her kids about which items they were going to need to put back because they couldn't afford everything in their cart. They were shopping for going back to school and she couldn't afford to get both all the notebooks and the backpacks and the clothes and the sneakers and everything that the kids needed. So they were debating what was going to stay in the store and what was going to go with them. And I was aware, you know, in that moment that her financial account was low and mine was okay. But my sense of community and being seen and cared for and belonging was in a state of bankruptcy. She was rich in kindness and in awareness. And I was poor in that moment in those areas. And so when she wasn't looking, I added a gift card, a Target gift card onto my purchase and left it with the woman at the register to apply it to her checkout. I couldn't be there to interact or to be in conversation, but I could do that much. And in that way, we helped each other that day. We shared the extra resources we had with one another. It wasn't fancy. It wasn't complicated. It didn't require a lot of planning or premeditation. We both just exchanged the little bit of extra we had that day on the fly. And I know that there have been moments for you where somebody smiled at you and it made your day, or they whispered a kind word to you, or they asked you how you were doing, and it just made a world of difference. And this is where we come back full circle to the ways that women look out for one another and our communities. And so don't forget that here in your back pocket, when we talk about how we can possibly make a difference for the women who are trying to sustain the careers they have or keep the jobs they have or find a new one if it's been lost, that we can help one another by just watching out, by giving somebody a space in line, by asking a woman you know how they're doing and really listening to their answer or asking what they need, maybe sharing with them a resource you heard in this podcast or just sipping water or a glass of tea with them in person or over the phone and remembering the power of being seen and seeing somebody else, of being heard and of being listened to, of offering and receiving support. All right, I might have saved the best for last year, because if you didn't hear my conversation with Sandrine Cristini in episode 81, Got the Burnout Blues? How one woman went from breakdown to breakthrough and found joyful sustainability and a career with purpose? Well, then you are in for a treat, because not only does Sandrine run a sustainability store in Zurich, Switzerland, where she helps people create less waste and have more joy in their households. But she's running her business in a sustainable way for herself these days, which is a big change from the chronic burnout she used to experience. 
So you're about to hear her explain how some small adjustments led to big changes, specifically how paying yourself first or any similar step you take to include yourself on the list of people you want to see doing well can make a world of difference. What's one small step you've done to make running your company more sustainable for you as a career woman? I think one thing comes to mind. April 2020, I scheduled a one-on-one with you because I was so frustrated at my employees that I was paying and I was not paying myself a salary. You will remember that. (laughs) Yeah, I remember that conversation. I came with so much resentment. I was like, Carly, I can't continue like that. I mean, they're doing half of the job I'm doing and I pay these guys and I don't get a salary. And I don't know what I was hoping to hear from you, but what came, you told me, look, you can decide to put yourself as a priority. And you can decide to pay yourself salary, yourself a salary from now on. It can be one franc. Yeah, but one you franc, your, five yeah. dollars, like whatever it but, needs Exactly. <laughs> but you, you put yourself first. And that for me clicked like for the salary thing because I was like, yes, I am from now on making money. <laughs> and we made a lot of jokes because I paid my, myself. I'm going to share that. It's just too funny not to. I paid myself five dollars a week. Plus $5 bonus because I did such a good job that month. So I made 25 bucks. My two business partners, they said, okay, so you're going to invite us for drinks and, and they, they make good money. So I was like, yeah, yeah, just leave me with my 25 bucks. <laughs> but, but this was honestly, and we laugh about it, but it was a game changer because from that moment, I think I took myself more seriously. I was like, okay, if, I, if I'm resentful, if I'm unhappy, if I'm frustrated, it's because I am not taking care of myself good enough. It's because I am not putting myself first. And it sounds very selfish to say, I'm going to put myself first. But if I don't do it, the result is uglier than if I say, you know what? It's my business. I'm the main pillar there. If, I'm, if my cup is full, then I'm happy. If I'm full of joy, my team is happy because they have someone who comes in singing in the morning and, and, and the atmosphere is nice. Uh, and of course, that will be felt by the customer as well. But so that's, that was really the moment where I understood I got to take care of myself first and I got to really take good care of myself. And so it was for me to start paying myself a salary, how, no matter how ridiculous the amount. And then I started, it started to have more impact. Now, if you only take one thing from today's culmination episode, I hope this next bit is it. Because when it comes to making any kind of shift, including making what you care about something you can sustain for the long haul, a lot of it is a mental game. Here's how Sandrine reclaimed countless hours of struggle and martyrdom and resentment and doubt by shifting her default mindset from self-judgment to giving herself a little more grace. I'm the harshest judge. I'm, I'm the worst police for myself. So to get to this place where I can take it so lightly is, is, is a miracle in itself. And I just want to tell the audience, it's possible for you too. I'm nothing special that I managed to get there, but surround yourself with, with the right people, listen, continue to listen to podcasts like that. And, and you'll see things add up. They, they fall into place. And at some point you will see that your police is on holiday and they're sipping their, their coffee or their iced tea at the beach and they like it too there. <laughs> well, you remind me of, I remember having a big aha a couple of years ago because 
my boss was like a huge, I work for myself and my boss was a huge jerk. It was like, my yeah. boss expects me to work all day yeah. till I go to bed. <laughs> like my boss um, is always telling me I'm not doing a good enough job. My boss wants me to skip lunch and dinner. Like, and I'm like, but my boss is me. Like what, if your boss is a jerk and you work for yourself, it's time to have a come to Jesus moment, right? Or whatever you want. It's time to have a conversation with yourself about like, because I would never talk to a team member like that. I would never expect my team member to be up till midnight working or first thing in the morning. And when you talked about paying yourself as a way of just, even if it was just little, because there's an understanding for a lot of us who start our own business that we may not get to pay ourselves for a while, that we might be scraping by and keeping the money in the company. And I relate to that. And, but like for me, I run payroll every Monday for our company and I still oversee the payroll. Like I know what money is going in and out of the company. And every Monday I run payroll for everybody. So everyone's checks, including mine, get cut on Monday. And a few years ago, I just started paying myself first. Until this podcast, nobody else would have known that because it makes no difference. I'm going down. There's 12 of us. I'm going down the list of 12 people that are getting checks and nobody knows the order. It doesn't matter. They're all getting cut in the same day. But I know... I know that I'm cutting my check first and something about that. It just feels like acknowledgement, like you showed up for this work. Right. And I love that you're paying yourself, like that you are included in this and that that can ramp up gently, you know, as, as the business evolves, but, oh, I just so appreciate that you acknowledge all of your staff, including you, right. Including you. And for anybody else who, Maybe you run your own business, but maybe you don't. Maybe you're running your own career. You work for somebody else, but you are in charge of your career or you're running your household or you're helping to run a family or your community of friends. And just this, like you're opening my eyes and dream to the way we consider including ourselves in sustainability, right? Like wanting to see our friends do well, including ourselves as one of those friends, wanting to see the workplace do well, including ourselves in the decisions, right? that we start treating ourselves like we treat others. I mean, I don't want to brag, but I think I'm a, a pretty good employer. I think if you're my employee, if you work with me, you're lucky. We, I created a nice environment. So why should I not do the same for myself? I'm, actually, I'm part of this, right? Yeah, I would say not only are you part of it, but without you, there is no business. And I think that's important to remember that the most important professional asset we have is ourselves. Right? Like, because without ourselves, nothing doesn't, the education matter, level doesn't matter. The income level doesn't matter. Like if our body and our mind aren't well, all, everything else suffers. And so really just from a pragmatic point of view, our care is part of the care of the business. Well, there you have it. I hope the last few lines of this episode stick with you because the most important asset in your career is you, wonderful woman. So tell me, what is one part of this episode that landed for you? Take that over to iTunes and leave a review for Messy and Magnificent so I can give you a shout out on an upcoming episode. Or if you want to know how Sandrine got on this episode, it was because she left a short voice memo for Anitza on our team with some thoughts about an episode that she had heard. And I would love to hear a voice memo from you. We can add your voice in to an upcoming recording and keep this conversation going. So send your voice memo over to Anitza. That's A-N-I-T-Z-A at everybodythrive.com. A link to her email is right here in the show notes wherever you're listening. 
And I would love to include you in this conversation. Because remember, you thrive through nourishment, not punishment. Keep taking care of what you value, making the small tweaks to make what you care about sustainable. And I will see you again next week with a brand new episode. Thank you for listening to the Messy and Magnificent podcast and being part of this dynamic, life-giving community of women. I consider each episode part of a lifelong conversation of you and me hanging out, sipping tea together, making sure that all women become richer, more nourished, and able to keep on rising. So I'll see you on the next episode next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to head over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast to get the full show notes. And I've also got some extra special free resources for driven women over there that you won't find anywhere else.